the big mistake people make is they see these cloud providers as the path to lots of customers and they go with their hands out and they ask for help. And they forget that there are thousands and thousands of global ISPs doing the exact same thing. And what you need to do is differentiate and figure out how do you help that cloud partner actually help their customer be more successful. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Marketplaces, they are becoming the driving force for the future of partnering. And each of the hyperscalers sees this as a fundamental principle and pillar to their strategy. If it's not already a core component of your strategy, or even if it is, you won't want to miss this episode. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Sanjay Mehta, the Chief Cloud Officer of Tackle.io. Tackle.io is focused on removing friction for B2B selling of cloud solutions through marketplaces. And I was excited to welcome Sanjay to discuss how cloud marketplaces are becoming the channel, how his organization is enabling the transformation for SaaS software organizations and other partner types, and why organizations should consider Tackle.io. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed my time with Sanjay Mehta. So before we dive into this interview, I want to take a moment and just say thank you. I am so blessed to have so many incredible listeners like you come, like, share, follow, and listen to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And I'm so grateful for your support as we bring the best in the business to share leadership principles, learnings, and help leaders like you achieve your greatest results. So stay tuned. As halfway through this interview, I'm going to share a couple of shout outs to some of you and thank you for your amazing support. Sanjay. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince. It's awesome to be here. Hope you're well. I am so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the Chief Cloud Officer at Tackle.io, a company focused on removing friction for B2B selling of, of cloud solutions through marketplaces. And I can't wait for our discussion today. Really excited for it as well. So for our listeners who might not know Tackle.io, can you explain the mission of the organization and your role? Absolutely. So Tackle helps ISVs accelerate their path to meaningful revenue with their cloud partners. When you think of cloud transformation, most folks just go to kind of technology transformation, but it really just starts there. The, the whole nature of how people are discovering, trying, and ultimately purchasing their software and their SaaS solutions is changing as well. And ISVs are trying to respond to that. And like any change, it's difficult. So Tackle helps ISVs, whether they're early stage startups or very well-established companies, navigate that journey with the big cloud marketplaces like AWS and Google Cloud and, and Microsoft. And as chief cloud officer at Tackle, I lead up our partnership teams. I help drive some strategy 
And I take that knowledge and work closely with our customers to really help them get the most out of their cloud partnerships and their related go-to-market journeys. So dive in a little bit more deeply with us, right? Because we've been all talking about marketplaces and we're going to dive in specifically around the marketplace concept. But specifically, what do you do to enable these organizations around marketplaces? Yeah, so if you think of it from an ISV perspective, I think there's a, a misperception that if you list your product in a marketplace, all the buyers will come, right? Kevin Costner and Field of Dreams, all the buyers just emerge out of the, the cornfields and buy your product. But that's not actually the case. And the other reality is that listing your product, while the cloud providers try to make it as easy as possible, it does generally take your product teams to prioritize development cycles to make that happen. So if you're an AI vendor or an IoT vendor or a security vendor or an observability vendor, to go to your product teams and say, hey, I need two or three guys for three or four months to build out marketplace support, maybe for one marketplace, maybe for multiple marketplaces, you're now having an internal discussion around where does that fit in the priority stack of things to do. And we like to say engineers don't like to build software to sell software. They want to innovate in what they're great at, right? Whatever the, the technology discipline that they're great at. So to, to build software just to sell it is, is a hard internal sell. Um, and then once you're up and listed, things change, right? The cloud providers innovated at an amazingly fast pace and as new services or extensions come out around those marketplaces, you have to keep your stuff up to speed. So Tackle helps alleviate all of that by offering a platform that's a, a no-code or very low-code approach to getting your solutions up and listed in the marketplace. And that's just the product side. <laughs> when then you think about, I want to go to market, right? Now that I have my product listed, I want to help my buyers on a journey to to maybe find my products in marketplace or maybe trial them marketplace and ultimately purchase them in marketplace. What does that mean for your own organization? And and if you're well-established and you've been entrenched and you have direct sales and channel sales, there's a lot of behavior change that happens. If you're maybe a newer organization and your go-to-market is fundamentally around marketplace, maybe you're doing 70%, 80%, 90% of your business in a marketplace, so that's your desire. Maybe it's a little bit easier, but still still a lot to, to get your arms around. So what are you doing specifically to enable organizations on their co-selling? So we do a few things. One is we understand the programs really, really well. And while at the high level, all marketplaces are the same, right? You put your products there, buyers discover them, there's purchasing that happens. There's subtle intricacies across all of the major cloud providers from the types of contracts you can do to the co-sell motions that happen to how the channel is or is not involved. So we have a team of folks that complement our platform that help understand what our customers are trying to do, what cloud partners they're trying to do business with, how their alignment's happening at a field level, what programs they may have access to, or maybe what they need to achieve to get access to higher level programs. And then we help them make those connections with the cloud providers themselves. Nice, nice. You know, we've had all seen this rapid rise in digital transformation. We've been discussing what's happened in the last 18 months or so, a time like no other, and what, seven years of transformation in one year, I think IDC said. And partnering is changing. In fact, we've had Jay McBain. I know you know Jay. We've had him as a guest here multiple times on the podcast. Recently, we talked about the fact that you know 76% of CEOs today in every industry and every geography believe their current business model will be unrecognizable in five years. What are you seeing today that's indicating in that direction, that's leading in that direction? Yeah, you're right. I, I follow Jay pretty closely, and I, I think he's right. And whether it's five years or six years, who knows? But there's there's no doubt that the way sellers sell and the way buyers buy is fundamentally changing. And 
the doomsdayers will say, what's going to happen to the current channel? And if you're a, a partner of Microsoft or a big established vendor, the odds are you have thousands and thousands of partners all around the world. And they're not going to go away tomorrow and they're not going to go away in four or five years. They offer great services. They have great connections to customers and all of those things. But there's no doubt the change is happening. So I think it was Gartner who came out and said that the B2B software procurement market is about a $500 billion market every year. And if you look at the big cloud marketplaces, they're starting to make a dent in that. And they don't publish those numbers specifically, but it's probably a single digit percentage. So it's, it's in a way early days. But if you look at the types of buyers that are showing up, some of the biggest, most recognizable brands on the planet are purchasing through marketplaces. And the cloud providers are making it really, really attractive to do so with, uh, with programs and incentives and orchestration with, from a technology perspective. So the buyers are coming. And the sellers are pivoting that way as well and saying, all right, how do I get the most out of these marketplaces to reach these massive pools of buyers? Because the reality is the big cloud vendors represent access to the biggest buyers on the planet, right? And, and thousands and thousands of them. So you've got this convergence of buyers and sellers saying something's got to be different. And then the pandemic introduced something interesting, which was suddenly the days of sending your salesperson and your sales engineer and maybe a sales manager and maybe a solutions architect to a customer site to run a proof of concept and fend off the competition and position against the customer requirements, suddenly all that happened remotely. And as you can see in the stock market, like companies are doing pretty well, right? Software companies are doing pretty well. So that dynamic changed. And then the other thing that I think really changed in that is the journey that a customer takes to discover software is, is constantly changing. And every year they get a little bit further down the path of evaluating a solution before they ever want to talk to a vendor, Right. And vendors are adapting to that with a product-led growth strategy and saying, how do we get our products out there in a way where buyers can experiment with those things in a very low-touch or tech-touch way? And then at the right time, we'll engage to talk about a bigger deployment, uh, enterprise discount, or anything like that. So you've got all these dynamics that are happening that think Jay's exactly right. There's going to be sweeping changes in how people address the market uh, in the coming years. And it's it's happening right now. Yeah, I refer to it as the consumerization of IT in some respects. And Jay talked about the five seats at the table, the influence strategy. And it's, it's also why partnerships are still very important, but the role of the partner has changed, right? Because the customer is relying on their trusted advisors who, who may represent other technology vendors, complementary or support vendors that they're working with in order to make that decision, as you say. Yeah, you know, when I look at buyers, I think at a really basic level, you know, what customers want is they want to know they're getting a solution that is trusted by their peers, right? I want to be at least as good as my peers, maybe better. And I want to know that the price I paid is fair for the number of widgets that I bought, right? And if you start to think about big cloud reference architectures, the data is there, right? It's maybe not there publicly yet, but privately, folks know what's being deployed, what's being purchased, what solutions pair up well with one another. So that dynamic's really being established. And I think that if you look at the traditional channel, the ones that are really leaning forward are transforming their businesses from product resale with a little bit of services to being really heavy on cloud services where product helps fulfill the journey. And I think those are going to be the winners in the channel ultimately. And they'll help you know, have maybe their own little version of private marketplaces that say, hey, Mr. Customer, these are the trusted solutions we deploy, much like we always had recommendations in the old world. But in the new world, there's more automation, there's more orchestration, there's maybe centralized buying, there's uh, standardized contracting, all these things that ease the entirety of a, of a procurement and deployment cycle that maybe were a little bit harder kind of pre-cloud. 
you know, as somebody who has sat on both sides, you know, I was a GM at Microsoft and then I went to become a channel chief at a billion dollar ISV, you know, there was a lot of friction working across the two organizations because we didn't use marketplaces, right? We had to go through the whole traditional process, you know, size, quote, procure, enable, all those pieces. And, you know, the partner on the other side is kind of waiting on the other side. They're not able to engage where I think with a marketplace concept, it's a lot easier for your selling, your co-selling partner to kind of point the customer in the right direction or kind of point them to a specific solution or even if it's a private offer in a marketplace, seems to be a lot easier, a lot less friction in that process. So at Tackle, we use the marketplaces ourselves. And uh, the benefit of that is we get super close to those cloud partners and we figure out those co-sell programs ourselves. We figure out if you want to work with an AWS or a Microsoft and their co-sell programs, and you want to work with a partner center, you want to work with ACE, how do you do that inside of your organization? What does it mean for the partner organization? How do you create those links? What does it mean from a seller compensation perspective? And then we translate all of that knowledge into something that our ISB customers can use on the Tackle platform. So I would say that the big mistake people make is they see these cloud providers as the path to lots of customers and they go with their hands out and they ask for help. And they forget that there are thousands and thousands of global ISPs doing the exact same thing. And what you need to do is differentiate and figure out how do you help that cloud partner actually help their customer be more successful? And if you can figure out that motion and get a couple of early design wins and then be smart enough to take those design wins and market back to the cloud partners, right? Because there's a lot of noise that, that they hear in their selling community and say, hey, this is how we help this customer with this use case on this part of their journey. And then start to replicate that. You can really get that flywheel going and suddenly the co-sell motions can be, can be really, really awesome. I love what you have to say here. It resonates so much with what I teach organizations around, right? So this whole, first of all, the the shiny quarter and a bucket full of shiny quarters, how do you stand out? What What's the what's in it for me, for the seller on the other side? A lot of organizations struggle with their value proposition and the what's in it for me, for the partner that they're working with. And how do I align on your scorecard? How does our joint solution align to help both organizations be successful? Yeah, and I love the last point you made around goals, right? And when you look at these cloud provider organizations with you know, tens of thousands of employees, working with them is not some consistent recipe, depending who you're working with. Maybe you're working with an enterprise sales team. Maybe you're working with a vertical sales team. Maybe you're working with a startup team. Maybe you're working with somebody who takes care of a VC portfolio. And they all have different metrics based on where their customers are in their transformation journey, right? So maybe it's, we just need to get a lot of folks listed. We need a big catalog in our marketplace. Maybe it's our catalog's pretty good, but we need more people transacting and we want to see more private offers. Or maybe they have a big public offer motion to, to find some buyer-led kind of product-led growth. Or maybe they're really trying to drive top line. And if you don't understand what the goals are for the particular person or group that you're trying to work with, you're not going to get very far. So I, I love that ad you put there. So this next question, you know, I'm going to take a quote directly from an announcement about your organization. It was written by Martin Casado, the general manager uh, for the VC firm Andreessen Horowitz. And what he said in the announcement was cloud marketplaces aren't just one more channel for selling software. It's becoming the channel. Can you comment on that? Yeah, so we're really lucky at Tackle to have Andreessen Horowitz as an investor and Martin as a board member. He's a brilliant product guy and a category creator. So uh, we're, we're really lucky to have brought them into the, the family earlier this year. You know, I think that if you look at 
the journey to marketplace for particularly established ISVs, the mistake most people make is they treat marketplace as just another channel, right? Maybe I've got some really big national partners, the names we know and respect, maybe a CDW and SHI and Optiv or whatever in this country or a computer center or a SoftCAD in, in, uh, in Europe. And if you don't get intentional about it and you say, all right, the alliances team will do something with the alliances partners and the sales team will try to figure it out and wrestle with compensation things. And the channel team will try to figure out, maybe we'll have you take care of marketplaces, 10% of your job or 20% of your job, but don't forget about the other partners. And everybody owns a piece of the puzzle. Then the reality is nobody owns anything. So one of the things we're starting to see is the emergence of this title chief cloud officer. And it's a very intentional reason uh, that we established it at Tackle, which is if you really want to move to marketplace, 50% of the challenge, maybe more, is going to be internal. And you need to empower somebody who has a break glass mentality and the credibility in the organization and the dedication to that organization to go out and break that glass. Because you're going to need to look at how do my sellers sell today and how is that going to change? If you're going to move towards embracing consumption buying, where traditionally you've done enterprise software licensing, that's going to be a massive shift for your business, a shift for your compensation plans, a shift for how you book deals, a shift for how you rev- uh, recognize revenue, uh, a shift for maybe how your channel is involved. So you've really got to look at holistically. And as the flywheel starts to turn and the business starts to get bigger, then your business is going to expect the same things they did in a pre-marketplace world. So your chief revenue officer is going to say, where's my pipeline? And where are my deals, right? I, I put out private offers. Where are they? How fast are they converting? Are they converting faster or slower? Is my margin better or worse? Your CFO is going to want to know about margin and, and DSOs and why are DSOs different across the different cloud providers? And your legal team is going to want to know. So sometimes we sell the software, but sometimes I have a channel and they're a seller of record. But then in certain marketplaces, they're actually the seller of record, right? So there are all these complexities that you need to consider when you're shifting. And if somebody doesn't own it, it's just this forever going bowl of spaghetti where you're just going to get tangled up amongst your own your own staff. The out the outside the external uh, marketplace piece is actually a lot easier in my opinion, right? So the internal stuff's really hard. The external side, you've got the biggest companies on the planet convincing buyers to go down a different path and an easier path and a more sustainable path and a more profitable path. So that part's actually, you got a lot of people working for you. The, the real thing is figuring out your internal house. So where do your channel partners play here now in the marketplace? I think I know the answer, but I want our listeners to hear it. Yeah, so the channels um, really got an opportunity. I think if you go back five or six years ago in the really early days of marketplaces, I think the channel was a bit scared, might be a harsh word, but thinking, all right, are these marketplaces going to cannibalize my business? And that was probably a fair assessment back then. But what you've seen is that, the big cloud providers have figured out that the channel actually does a couple of things. One provides a lot of value around services, has amazing reach to customers in terms of stickiness, and already controls a lot of the software portfolio that the the cloud marketplaces are, are getting involved in. So you saw the cloud marketplaces start to pivot to say, how do we embrace and scale through partnerships with the more traditional channel, uh, as opposed to trying to create you know, the future channel, if you will. So I think if you're a, a more boutique firm and you're not really paying attention to cloud, you could be in some trouble. But if you're getting out ahead of this and you're transforming your business, just like the end customers transforming theirs and the software vendors are transforming theirs, I think it's actually a tremendous opportunity. And even today, I think there are handfuls of channel partners doing this well out of thousands. So it's definitely not too late to get in the game. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it reminded me of the conversation way back in the early aughts around like the internet is going to basically eliminate sales. It was going to eliminate uh, B2B sales. It was going to take all these things away. And what, what you're really seeing is the role is just changing somewhat, right? These channel partners, they provide scale. They own the licenses. They have, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of feet on the street, and they have relationships and they can bring these solutions that are now being the vehicles, the marketplace, but the transaction is happening buyer to seller. Yeah. And if the channel wants to be in the middle of that, they can be. If they want to just be there to support from services, they can be. So they actually have choice in, in what they want you know, the next version of their business to look like. Uh, I just think they need to be intentional about what they want it to look like. Yeah. And determining what their value is, their highest, highest and greatest purpose and value. So thank you again for making this a great week for Ultimate Guide to Partnering. This week, we rank consistently in Apple technology business news in the top 250. And in fact, we ranked as high as 88 this week, which is just incredible. And I'm so grateful for you. So let me read these incredible shout outs and reviews in Apple. And we're going to provide links in our show notes if you'd like to leave a review. The first is from an industry friend and someone who's been a guest here on Ultimate Guide to Partnering, Mark Monday. Five-star content, the most important podcast in the tech ecosystem today. The industry has changed dramatically in the last three to five years, and Vince Menzion is tracking the lightspeed shifts with this important podcast. Old naming conventions and taxonomies are being eviscerated by emerging models. The cloud is ubiquitous. Customers demand more and more. It's no longer enough for tech companies to sell to IT. It's all about meaningful customer business impacts. Vince brings great guests, innovative ideas, and compassion to the podcast each episode. I highly recommend this one. Mark, thank you so much. That is just, I'm humbled by those amazing words. Thank you so much for your support. And the second one from Robert Hansen's. Vince is amazing. Love this podcast so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Robert. And thank you to each of you for listening, following, liking, sharing, and being part of this community. I so appreciate you. So what are you seeing specifically from the big three when it comes to marketplaces? They're all really serious about it. <laughs> I think if you went a few years ago, you could, you could debate, like, are they all going to lean in or not lean in? And it's beyond the big three, right? You, uh, you see AliCloud doing it. You see uh, IBM Red Hat uh, getting more serious about their marketplace, VMware, Oracle, Atlassian, uh, CrowdStrike, right? Like uh, lots of folks looking at marketplaces in lots of different ways. But when you talk about the big three, the AWS, the Microsoft, the Google, you know, I think it's interesting. If you think about those organizations uh, with hundreds of different services, right? Marketplaces themselves are competing for resource, but uh, they've definitely arrived on the scenes and, and buyers have embraced. So you're seeing a ton of innovation. There's, there's no doubt about that in terms of how far the marketplace can extend into areas, not just around procurement, but around deployment, around orchestration, around governance and things like that. You're start, starting to see more and more international flair. So marketplaces were kind of a US-centric phenomenon for a long time, but certainly you're seeing that extend. You've seen features around geofencing, for instance, come into place so you can kind of lock pricing based on particular geographies, which a lot of ISVs do, and that needed to be embraced in a marketplace world. You're hearing more and more about 
uh, support of local language and local currency. So I think the international flair is going to change a lot. And just the overall geopolitical climate that's happening around data privacy and SaaS solutions. I think the next few years are going to be super interesting on how marketplaces embrace that and how ISPs support that. You're seeing tons of programs on making it more and more attractive for the buyers from uh, of cloud services to buy through cloud marketplaces. So lots of incentives there. And you're also seeing incentives for the sellers, the sales teams within the cloud providers to embrace marketplace. So again, I think that th- that piece is getting so much attention that ISVs just need to figure out how to latch to it. Like, how do you be a barnacle to that thing? Because that is a, a whale that's moving really, really fast. And then just get your internal house in order. You know, we've been talking about marketplaces for quite some time, and it seems like it's being embraced. It seems like everyone is now getting very serious. Microsoft, the announcements that they made, the one announcement to me that resonated the greatest from Inspire was around the marketplace changes and the the reduction in fees. You know, I've seen many organizations still struggling with the perception and execution of a marketplace strategy. What are you seeing on your side? Yeah, Microsoft certainly made a big splash and they're combining. They had a lot of different marketplaces, right? They had the Azure Marketplace and App Store and something different for Teams and this and that. I, I think probably you know a, a dozen or more marketplaces and they combined them all under commercial marketplace, which to me is another sign that they're really, really serious. And then they made some moves around fees. And to me, that's another sign that they're really, really serious. And if, if you look at uh, most of the big marketplaces over time, they have made adjustments to make marketplace selling simpler. Five or six years ago, folks had pretty complicated tables of different types of solutions and different tiers and this and that, and everything over time is getting simpler. It's not surprising that Microsoft would come out with a, with a big statement like that. And I think every cloud provider has their own advantages. Microsoft's got a really big ecosystem, right, for, for a lot of years that they're, they're trying to leverage. And AWS had some first mover advantage and Google has some awesome compute advantage and whatever it is, right? Lots of, lots of examples you could go into. So I think all of those steps that, that happen and when somebody like Satya is up on stage talking about marketplace, I think that's an awesome thing for our industry. And I think you see that across, across all the, the cloud providers at all the big conferences. What about the perception and execution of a marketplace strategy? Why do you think organizations still struggle here? Uh, I think it's behavior change. Like fundamentally, I guess uh, maybe I'll back up and say two things. One is marketplace knowledge isn't that prolific. If you want to go uh, grab a marketplace person and bring them into your business to be the expert, it's not like they're a dime a dozen. So certainly that's why a lot of the big cloud providers send their ISVs to tackle, to, to get help, because we've consolidated a lot of those brains that we've, we've found along the journey, uh, myself included, and, and brought them into tackle. So I think that's one big piece. And then the, the next one is the one I touched on, which is uh, the organizations that I see struggle haven't put themselves in a position to win, and they didn't make it somebody's job to win in that. And they didn't make it somebody's job to actually cause the change and to break the glass, actually help folks on the journey. Before Tackle, I was in a big cybersecurity company with almost a thousand sellers globally. And if you want to change the sell- the behavior of a thousand sellers, some days it feels like you're going one by one, right? When you get lucky, <laughs> it feels a little better than that. But Behavior change doesn't happen quickly, particularly when you're talking about compensation and playing with somebody's wallet. Uh, and in, until somebody sees somebody else succeeding and winning customers and having good customer outcomes and also getting paid, and that success you know, needs to get advertised and needs to get proliferated. And, and once you see that, you can start to see the tide start to turn a little bit. But to turn it into a wave takes some time. So you know, we ran a, uh, what we called the Marketplace Sellers Experience 
a few weeks back and we had CrowdStrike and A-Cloud Guru and F5 and Barracuda Network, some of the, the best names in marketplace selling on board. And if you just Google marketplace seller experience tackle, you'll, you'll find all the recordings. And you know, I think one common theme you'll find there is commitment. And if you want your marketplace journey to work, it's not something that's just going to produce fruit in, in two or three months, right? It's a year, two year real journey to really make a transformative effort inside of your organization. And and that takes the C-suite all agreeing that's important and that that cloud provider relationship is important. So I, I think that's where most people trip up. I love what you had to say about commitment. I talk about it as extreme commitment. It's one of the principles of successful partnering from my lens. And you're right, the executive suite, everyone up and down the organization, uh, across the, the boardroom, have to all agree and be aligned and committed and execute upon the strategy. Yeah, and it, it's, it's lacking a lot. You, know, you see marketplace journeys, and it's changing a bit, but historically, marketplace journeys started with alliance teams or partner teams that were looking for one more edge with the cloud provider. And I guess the other, the other group that was involved earlier was generally a product team, right? And, and maybe a team you needed to convince. As the business grows uh, and the marketplaces grow, we're seeing more CROs get involved. We're seeing more CFOs get involved. And ultimately, I think we'll see more CEOs get involved. And George Kurtz put out a, a piece yesterday on CrowdStrike and talked a lot about competition, but then also talked about marketplaces. And he's been pretty loud on that. And, and when you see a, a pretty feigned CEO talking about marketplaces as part of his growth strategy, I think that's the type of thing that catches on. Yeah, and we'll provide links to both of these uh, links in our show notes that you've referenced here. Fantastic. So what companies are best candidates to work with you and your organization? It ranges and we've, we've structured our team uh, accordingly. So from early stage companies where they're thinking about their overall go-to-market strategy, they haven't developed a direct sales force, they haven't developed a channel, maybe their, their venture arm is talking about marketplaces, relationship with the cloud providers. So we see series A startups get involved with us. And we also see the biggest software companies in the world get involved with us, uh, which is really exciting. And we see them come to tackle uh, sometimes to get listed and sometimes when they're actually pretty advanced in their journey and they might already be doing tens of millions of dollars and hundreds or thousands of offers. And they figure out that it's just not something they need to be expert at. They want to innovate in their category. They don't want to spend a ton of time on product teams, operations teams, sales teams, program teams, uh, and everything else to figure out these marketplaces. So it, it was a bit surprising to me before I came to Tackle that that well-established marketplace sellers would would do that, but we see it fairly regularly. So we can really help anybody, and we spend a lot of time making sure you know, we have ISVs that come to us and say, "List us in every cloud marketplace." We think that's actually a big mistake, and you talked about it a bit as well. Like the commitment that you have, not in your only in your organization, but to the cloud provider matters. So if you just smear it like peanut butter, you're not going to get very far. So. Who are you trying to align with? Why are you trying to align with? Why is that good for them and their customers? And then list there, right? And get started and maybe add solutions. And then maybe over time, you should extend further. So we really walk through that with a customer, regardless of where they are, to make sure they're, they just know why they're doing what they're doing uh, and not just trying to tick a box. So Sanjay, if our listeners want to reach out to you, they're interested, how might they do so? So at Tackle, we, you know, we really appreciate the position we've established in marketplaces. So we put out a ton of resources. So I would encourage listeners to hit Tackle.io. If you go to just plain old Tackle.com, you'll end up at Bass Pro Shops. So Tackle.io, uh, <laughs> important uh, difference there. But we have lots of information for different types of personas on where they are in the marketplace journey in their company. So I, I would certainly encourage you to take those down. We've got lots of ways to contact Tackle from the website. 
feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always curious to talk to folks who are curious about Marketplace, whether they're advanced or whether they're a novice. Uh, I can always learn something and hopefully I can always give something as well. So lots of easy ways to, to get a hold of Tackle. An exciting topic, an exciting time, and uh, an exciting company. So really great to have you today. As you might know, I love sharing with our listeners how people got to this particular spot in their career. And I'm fascinated by the career journey. Was there a spark or pivot that got Sanjay here? Yeah, it really happened over the last decade. So uh, before Tackle, I was at Trend Micro. And after a few years of my decade-long career there, I got really lucky. And my uh, president said, would you be willing to move to Australia uh, and run the business down for Australia and New Zealand? So if anybody ever asks you that question, your answer should be yes. Uh, it's amazing both professionally and and personally, and on the professional side, that uh, part of the world tends to lean into technology really, really early. So uh, they virtualized really fast in Australia. And when I got down there in 2012, it didn't take me very long to figure out that there was a lot of cloud movement. And it surprised me a bit because the big cloud providers didn't have a point of presence in the land, right? So folks were, you know, financial institutions were leveraging AWS, but they were actually you know, hauling everything back to data centers in the US. So not not what you might have expected. But I remember I was sitting down with one of the, the top financial providers in Queensland, and we're talking about security for their both their data center environment as well as their cloud environment. And they said, how do we pay for this? And my answer was, how, do you, how would you like to? <laughs> and they kind of all sat back. And we literally crafted a consumption model, not on a napkin, but on a whiteboard. And from there, it turns into you know, what marketplace is today. So along the way, I got deeper and deeper and deeper with, with the cloud providers and, and with AWS in particular and with Marketplace. And I learned a lot and I, I came back to the U.S. I was running the U.S., doing a lot of these deals, getting closer and closer to the cloud providers. And at some point, I got introduced to one of the co-founders at Tackle, Brian Denker, our COO. And I met him early 2020, just before the pandemic. We got along. He invited me to the advisory board, which was... Uh, an offer I didn't want to pass up. So I got to know the executive team more. I got to know the customers more. I got to know the value proposition more. And then one day I was talking to our CEO, John Yonke, about some ideas. And he's like, those are great ideas. Why don't you come to Tackle and try them out? And to your point, like the, the thing that was the spark was like, man, marketplace knowledge is really pretty limited on, on the planet right now. And I could do a lot to help the current company I'm with, or I could really try to shape the industry. And it's not often you're you're presented with an opportunity like that. So after a, a great run with a, a truly fantastic company, I just kind of decided it was time to, to shift gears and, and shoot for the stars. That's fascinating. Was there one best piece of advice you received? Uh, I might do two. And one I, I touched on earlier, which is the make sure you know what's in it for the cloud provider. I, I see that mistake all the time. So I would do that for sure. And the other one, I, I learned hard lessons early in my career. And then I've, I've helped others understand it later, which is I say, find the juice. And when you look at how folks go to market, everybody gets traded on some sort of qualification criteria, and maybe it's BANT or maybe it's just budget or you know access to power, whatever it is. And I think a lot of times people forget to find the juice. And there are so many folks who can say no inside your own organization, inside the cloud provider, inside the cloud provider's customer. Uh, lots and lots of folks can say no. Very few people can say yes. Uh, so if you can find the people with the juice, and maybe they're the budget owner, and maybe they're not, but they're not an influencer. They're bigger than an influencer. If you're driving marketplace transformation in your organization, you need the juice. 
And if you don't have it, you better go find it. And then you got to extend that same thing uh, across the rest of the ecosystem. Find the juice. So I learned quite a bit in my early career about win results, which was a concept of like, find out what the personal win, what's the win for that person? Is this, is that a similar concept? Yeah, similar. I mean, you know, big organizations have big priorities and the folks who can impact and shift those priorities are few. Uh, and if you're trying to align, you need to understand, we talked about the goal alignment, maybe at a you know more skip level or organizational group, but if you truly want to make a transformative effort for your business and aligning with a cloud provider, you need massive sponsorship to make that happen. So uh, I always I was say, find the juice. Find out where how you align to their scorecard and make sure you're hitting all the dots. So I'd like to have a little fun here. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I'm listening to Spotify a little bit more, although I still have my podcast on Apple. It's also on Spotify. And I've been building Spotify playlists lately. And I'm wondering from you, what enduring songs, and we're going to limit it to five here, you would place on your playlist if you could only take five songs with you into the future. What would they be and why? So luckily, Vince, I listened to your podcast, so thought this question might uh, might show up. And it's an interesting one. What most people probably wouldn't think is that, well, I think all of our musical choices change over time, right? As we as we grow, I've been a country guy, a country fan for uh, since high school. So for, for many, many years. Really? Yeah. Did every dial on my... I had you peg as rock. I had you as a rock guy. Well, you know, at the high school, I was a Van Halen guy, but, you know, we all grew out of Van Halen or, or Van Hagar. So I, I'd probably surprise you a bit, but I'd, I'd throw some rock in for sure. So uh, one is I've always been a Miranda Lambert fan. I think uh, she's just a fun person to follow. And she sings a song called The House That Built Me, which I think is just an amazing thing to listen to, to realize how lucky we all are and where we came from um, and that journey. Uh, so I like that song a lot. Um when I was in high school, I got to see Metallica a few times, and I think I might have had as much of a mullet as I could have had back then, but Fade fade to Black is, I think, one of the better guitar riffs out there, so I'd probably a little throw, throw a little Metallica in there. I've long been a fan of U2, and uh, my wife's a massive U2 fan, and years ago, I think we were in a blockbuster, which kind of puts timing on it, and the song One came on. And maybe 15 seconds into the song, you hear Mary J. Blige pop in. And it's really hard to mess with a U2 song. But when it's U2 and Mary J. Blige at the same time, it's it's pretty tough to beat. So I would do that. One Christmas, we did karaoke and I sang Shotgun Rider by Tim McGraw with my daughter, which was pretty special. So uh, she did a much better job than I did. But it was a great memory. And it's just a song about connection and you don't change your shotgun rider, right? So you, you don't give up on your partner, uh, which is a great song. And then... I'm also a big Pink fan, and once the world frees up and concerts exist again, then uh, certainly one on my list. And she does a recent song with Chris Stapleton, who I've got a ton of respect for and, and really admire his work, and they have a, a little duet called Love Me Anyway. And uh, I think I would do that, and I would likely be wearing my one of my pairs of Lucchese cowboy boots while I do it. So Very cool, very cool. I love it. I love it. We're going to share this with our listeners and uh, look for that link in our show notes. We're going to share that. I love your list. Totally threw me off because I did ex Metallica. I did expect you know I expected a little bit more rock and roll, but I love the country. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it comes from the heart. So it uh, if you haven't discovered country music yet, I encourage you to do it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. You've been an amazing guest, Sanjay. I love what your organization is doing. I feel like this is the future. A lot of organizations are still struggling here or maybe have misperceptions. It's one of the reasons why we're releasing this episode. So excited to have you as a guest today on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Yeah, thanks, Vince. I think you do a ton for the channel community and the, the guests you bring are amazing. So I'm, I'm uh, happy to be on that list and wishing you all the continued success. Thank you so much. Okay, right, cheers. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at Vince M at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.